but the, when it comes to preaching, the Lord often tries to, that there's a specific message that he wants to get across to the people. Um, so although you could just turn anywhere and, and preach a message, that doesn't mean the Lord's going to be in it. Um, although people may still get help from it, so it's, it's difficult. But man, when I was reading Titus here, there were a couple things that just kind of stuck out with, uh, in, this, in this passage. And I think it, it'll be a blessing. I'm not sure. Uh, I will pray that, that you get some help from it, get a little bit encouraged. Um, so let's, let's just read some, some verses here and then we'll dive in. We're going to jump around a bit. I hope you don't mind. Uh, but let's look, uh, just verse number 1 here, Titus chapter 2, Titus chapter 2, verse number 1, says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Uh, we're going to skip down to verse 11 for the sake of time. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Uh, Brother Ben, would you mind praying for us? Amen. Uh, there's a good chance that this message will actually be on the shorter side, so I appreciate the, uh, the offer to go longer, um, but it'll probably be a bit shorter. But we'll see. Um, so, there was something I was thinking about when, when going through this passage, and I want to I focus on, on uh, just one specific thing here for a second. And I, I don't know if you've realized, but I, I know I certainly have that Everybody in this world is looking for something. Uh, it don't matter what it is. There's going to be somebody out there that's looking for fill in the blank, whatever it is. Uh, whether it be a young man trying to find a wife. Um, scripture says that he who findeth the wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor, favor of the Lord. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of people out here that are, are, are looking for a raise. There's a lot of people, I mean, just this last... Week, uh, we get paid on Thursdays um, every two weeks, and I had worked a lot of overtime that week, and so guess what? I woke up Wednesday morning. We can check to see what the amount's going to be the day before, and I was looking for something specific. I was looking to see what that paycheck was going to be like. Right? Uh, every single day you wake up, you're going to be looking for something specific, and unfortunately, in a in a world that is as busy as ours. Uh, and is, I mean, we're just so consumed with running around and getting things done. We're so busy 
Uh, there's a lot of things we're going to be looking at that aren't exactly what we should be focusing on. Now, I know we've got to go through you know, the routine. We've got to do what we have to do. You've got to go to work, right? Um, th this is going to be, this message is going to kind of focus on the, uh, the second half of, I guess, what I preached on last time, which was talking about lust and abstaining from lust, diverse lusts, as Scripture says. Um, I want to give you kind of the positive half of that today. Um, okay, so if we're going to be abstaining from that sort of thing, getting away from, well, as verse number 12 says, right, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, says we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Well, you know, what's funny is that just because you're safe, Christian, doesn't mean you're going to live a sober and righteous and godly life. Uh, if you look back at the, the previous book, 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 4, I believe it is, uh, 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, this verse says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. I think maybe sometimes we, we kind of get it in our, our Christian minds that, man, if, if we could just walk, walk personally with the Lord Jesus Christ, if we could do that in this life, like, Physically, he's standing there and we're walking with him, right? Then we would be living a righteous and godly life. Man, if I could just sit down at the feet of Paul and learn from him directly, I think I would probably have a pretty strong Christian faith, right? Well, well according to that verse that we just read, Demas was walking with Paul and yet even he left. We have to be careful, Christian, because if we're not looking at the right things, it doesn't matter who the preacher is up here. It doesn't matter that we've got, you know, Pastor Mike preaching to us every single week. If you're not looking for the right things, you're going to get off track. And you're going to stop serving the Lord. Well, how do, how do we live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world? As verse 12 had said. Just, it's real simple, alright? I like simple messages because then my dumb brain can understand it, alright? Looking for that blessed hope. I already mentioned you got to be looking at the right things, right? Looking, verse 13, for that blessed hope. Are you looking for Jesus this evening? It, you know, I, when, the, when the stuff kind of kicked off in Israel, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I started getting kind of, uh, I don't know, I guess excited. That sounds horrible because it's like people are dying, right? But hear me out, like, I was getting kind of excited about it because I'm like, well, you know, like this, this kind of has to happen. Like this stuff's going to go down and, and, and it, man, it just, you start thinking about the rapture. You start thinking about what's going to go over, going to go on over there in Israel. You're going to start, you know, you start thinking about, you know, the Antichrist. Okay, well, man, maybe the, you know, the false prophet, you're already here. Who's he going to be? Like, like you start thinking about these different things. You, you start looking at the world through a different perspective than you had been previously, right? You start looking for spe specific things. And, and when all that stuff popped off over in Israel, I started getting excited. Um, but here, let me, let me take you to a few verses, and, and we'll get into the meat of this in, in just a second. But if you could just go to Matthew chapter 24, please. Like I said, we're going to be turning. Matthew 24. Quick, quick, quick. Come on, come on. <laughs> Matthew 24. We're going to look at verse 42. It says, sorry, I still hear pages. <laughs> I said, quick, come on. No. <laughs> watch, there, watch therefore, for you know not what hour 
your Lord doth come. Now, I know this is Matthew, but hear me out here. Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we... What's that say? We look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at verse number 6. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. It says, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Those two things were said over there in Titus chapter 2, were they not? I want you guys to understand that the next event on God's timeline is the rapture of the church. It is not some sort of uh, uh, you know, blood moon in the sky aligning with certain stars. It, it is not, we're not looking for some red heifer for the Israelites to, to, to discover and, re, oh my goodness, this is going to be used during the... No, we're not looking for anything like that. We're not looking for specific world events. We're, not look, we're looking specifically for the rapture to happen next. I want to give you a couple definitions here, and, and this is, it's kind of interesting, out of the Webster's 1828, of course, but I want to, I want to look at the difference, just, at, just out of the dictionary, the difference between the word watch and wait. Now, at, at first glance, I'm going, to, I'm going to read the definition for the word wait first. Um, at first glance, it, it won't really seem like a negative thing, it'll actually seem like a positive thing, until we read the definition of watch. Definition of wait, <clears throat> to stay or rest in expectation, to stop or remain stationary till the arrival of some person or event, to stay proceedings or sus suspend business in expectation of person or event, to rest in expectation and patience. I don't, I don't know about you, but for my own flesh, that kind of sounds like nice and Relaxing, right? There's a bunch of words in there about remaining stationary, rest, right? There's not a whole lot of action, okay? So when it comes to the word wait, wait is passive. It's a very passive thing. When you look at the word watch in the dictionary, it says forbearance of sleep, attendance without sleep, attention, close observation, guard, vigilance for keeping or protecting from danger, and as a verb, to be awake or to, to be or continue without sleep, to be attentive, to look with attention or steadiness, to keep guard, to act as sentinel, to look for danger, to be attentive, to be vigilant. L listen to this. Because it's just, I immediately thought of what I was preaching on when, when I saw, saw this definition. To be attentive, to be vigilant in preparation for event rapture, or trial, judgment seat of Christ, the time of whose arrival, Jesus Christ, is uncertain. Scripture tells us we're not supposed to be waiting around, doing nothing, which is a passive thing. We're supposed to be active and in the fight. Be attentive to be vigilant. We're supposed to be watching or looking for Jesus Christ. I'd like to ask you this evening, Christian, are you watching for the coming of Christ, or are you waiting around? 
Scripture tells us in, in, as it was in the days of Noah, right? So shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Well, I, I want to give you just kind of a list of some things that were going on during those days. In the days of Noah, there was spiritual decline. There was shameless depravity. There was social dilemma. There was scientific development. There was strong engineering and economics and entertainment. There was strong delusion, some devotion, all of it leading to sudden destruction. People had a tendency to reject God, to reject the Bible, to reject preaching. Homosexuality was prominent. Divorce rates were high. Apostasy was rampant. There was rejection of the preaching. There was violence and bloodshed, anarchy and lawlessness, gluttony and drunkenness, false doctrine and false teaching. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. This is the struggle with knowing what the signs of the times are, Christian. And this is my whole point. If you're not careful, you will start waiting for a sign to see if the end is nigh. But, but I got to tell you, Christian, I'm not waiting for any sign. Okay? I'm not a Jew. I'm a Gentile. I'm not waiting for a sign. I'm trying to listen for a sound. I'm trying to listen for that trumpet. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. I'm not, look, there isn't anything on this earth that I'm looking for. I'm, I've got my eyes up and I'm looking for something in the clouds instead. I'm looking for the rapture of the church of God to happen because there is nothing left that has to happen before that pops off. Uh, 2 Timothy, go there with me real quick. 2 Timothy 3. Let's dive into this a little bit more about what people are going to be like in the last days, just so we're not confused on anything. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7. says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. <laughs> I see that one quite a bit. <laughs> Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Let's just stop there for a second. Colossians 3, 4 tells us that when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Uh, I want to go to Philippians chapter 3 now, and I'm going to try to start tying these, some of these things together. Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to be here for just a moment. Philippians 3. Verse number 17. We'll start there. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have, uh, ha, a, a, which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. 
Now look at this. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. I understand that we're going to be able to tell when it's the latter days, when it's the end days. Scripture tells us, Scripture actually tells you not to be ignorant of it. But I'm trying to make the point that despite all these things, uh, despite the fact that this is the way things are going to be, those are not the things that you're supposed to be looking for as a Christian. The, the enemies in God, if you look throughout Scripture, are people like Esau and Reuben. They're, they're, they're uh, you know, people like half the tribe of Manasseh. It, there's, there, are, there are countless examples of people in Scripture that are enemies of the cross of Christ. These are people that loved publicity and recognition. They lack interest in prophecy and eternity. I mean, that's the reason people don't like Bible-believing preaching. They don't, they don't have a love for truth. They have faith in, in, in knowledge and, and science and, and education. They have an optimistic view of fallen man. There's a lot of those people nowadays. And that that spans all the way from the the supposedly peace-loving hippies all the way over to to religious folk that believe they're bringing in the kingdom. You think think mankind is so good that you're going to be able to bring in God's kingdom? You've got a false view of mankind. The enemies of the cross of Christ... They they refuse to believe that there's anything wrong with contemporary gains or fads or or fashions or customs or, you know, the the dress of this age. Uh, Look, I want to be careful because I don't want to... Well, no, I'm supposed to say I'm supposed to say it. (laughs) Um, We got to be careful when it comes to... uh, Things like that, the, the fashions and customs, not just of the world, but, but in the church as well. Um, don't, obviously, we shouldn't start dressing uh, you know, immodestly and indecently. But even so, don't start to think that if you swing the opposite direction, that's okay either. Don't, don't start to think that it's doctrinal to dress like the Mormons do. Or, or like the cat, look, Catholics dress nice for, for church, for mass, and yet they couldn't be further from the truth. And, and I, I say this, I, I like to bring this up, and I'm, if you ask me, I'm not going to tell you. Um, but a, a, a child here at church had one time gone up to my wife and asked her, why aren't you wearing a dress? And, and the, the only thing that I can do is... is just hope, just hope <laughs> that that was just an honest question from a little child, right? Um, but I, but I fear, but I fear that as we we as Bible believers can can perhaps get off uh, off track sometimes and start thinking that that doing specific things is what makes you spiritual with God. Um, because look, as much as there's going to be cultural differences between different churches, there cannot be room for doctrinal differences. And if you're going to tell me that my wife has to wear a dress when she comes to church, 
then you have to be able to also go down to Leon, Mexico, and tell those gentlemen there that can barely afford a single button-up shirt that they're supposed to be wearing a suit to church. We've got to be careful, Christian. There's a false balance, and, and there's a proper balance. And obviously, we're not supposed to be dressing you know, immodestly like the world, but don't swing so, so far the other way either. C- continuing on about attributes of enemies of God, they, they are people that have a dislike for, for hard preaching on, on judgment, on hell, on the second coming of Jesus Christ. And man, I, I certainly hope that this isn't you. <laughs> I don't think it is. I don't think you'd be coming to Bible Believers Church of South Lyon if, if that was you, but, but, but perhaps in, in certain areas, maybe. Examine your own self, examine your own heart. Enemies of God have a hatred for the perfection of the Bible. This includes preachers who stand up and will correct the book and say, well, this word here is actually an improper rendering and it would be better translated as fill in the blank. That, that was just a, a list of the enemies of the cross of Christ, and I'd say that there are a ton of them today, and many that go to church. Keep reading with me there in Philippians. Hopefully you're still there, uh, chapter number 3. But look at verses 20 through 21. It says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look, we look, we look, For the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. The the vile body, this thing right here that you're looking at, right? You know, I got a haircut, right? Tried to make it look nice, but this thing's nasty. Okay, I'm sweating right here. Anybody want to come up and and stick their their nose in my arm? No, vile body, you understand? This same thing that, that plagued Moses and, and Elijah and, and, and Peter and Paul, that this, this vile thing is going to get transformed at some point in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. You're going to have no more desire for, for envy or, or for lusts, or you're going to have no more hatred towards other Christians, no, no more aches and pains. I mean, I, I, on Friday I had worked a 14-hour shift, that was as long as they were going to let me work because of DOT rules. And so they had to call me back and I got home. And I'm telling you, look, I'm only 30 years old. I don't know how some of you guys who are older than me work as much as you do. Like, it's only getting worse from here. I'm only 30 and I was in pain. Man, the, the Bible tells us that when the rapture happens, the redemption of our vile body will be completed. 1 John, turn over to 1 John real quick with me. First John, chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. It says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he, Jesus Christ, is pure. 
Just thinking on this sort of thing will help make you pure. Looking towards the redemption of your vile body. Looking forward to that rapture will help you walk straight, Christian. I mean, there's a good example of this in, in the Old Testament. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy 25. Perhaps you've heard it before, but, but Amalek is a good type of the flesh. Deuteronomy 25, verses 17 through 19. Man, this, this vile body has a way of holding us back, Christian. Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 19 says, Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way when you were come forth out of Egypt. See, Christian, you get saved, right? And you're coming forth out of Egypt. You get redeemed. You get saved. I know our vile body is not yet redeemed, but your soul gets saved. You come out of Egypt. You start walking right. But along the way, Christian, you start getting tired. I have been there plenty of times. What happens is Amalek comes on up to you. Verse 18 says, How he met thee, by the way, and smote the hindmost, uh, hindmost of thee, even all uh, that were feeble behind thee, when thou wast faint and weary, and he feared not God. See, that's, that's what we would call backsliding, Christian. You, you, start, you start working your way towards the back of the pack, right? You're, you're no longer walking the way you're supposed to. Scripture there said, as you got weeble, or weeble, feeble and weary, right? You start walking backwards, that would be backsliding. Now, things might, start, you know, things might be going well for you, Christian, you know, uh, for a while, until you get to the... The, the back of the pack, the back of the herd, if you will, and Amalek, come, that flesh, Amalek, comes up behind you and takes you out. Drags you back by your hair, back to Egypt. Amalek is a good type of the flesh. But look at this. It says, Therefore it shall be, verse 19, Therefore it shall be when the Lord thy God hath given thee rest from all thine enemies round about. So looking forward now. In the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it, that thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, thou shalt not forget it. I'm looking forward to that day where it, where it mentions in 1 Corinthians 15 that I'll put off corruption and put on incorruption. I'll put off mortality and put on immortality. But as of right now, Christian, I cannot escape this flesh. This vile body, but I'm looking forward to the day when this body gets transformed. You say, preacher, you kind of sound like schizo, you know. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, we kind of are. We've got that old nature and we've got that new nature. Scripture tells us, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. In the same passage it says, But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And if you're honest with yourself this evening, Christian, you've got the same problem I do. You're schizo too if you're born again. 
That's that this body has yet to be redeemed and that old nature you've got is still with you. I'm, I'm stuck in this, this, this nasty body until the day that that trumpet sounds or I put this body in the grave. And honestly, maybe some people here, maybe that's all you need to hear for the rest of the message. Maybe, maybe you need to ditch the, the false spirituality and be honest before God and just say, oh, wretched man that I am. I'm looking forward for that body to be redeemed. But I'm also looking forward to something else. I'm looking forward to the coming reunion. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with me, please. Told you we'd be turning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So... We're not only watching for the redemption of our body, right? That rapture to take place. But I'm also looking forward to the great reunion that's going to take place at the same time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. It says here, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, And with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Together, Christian. Look, some of you might know this, but some of you probably don't, because there's a lot of new faces since the last time I've mentioned this, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and talk about it a little bit, but... There was, um, there was a, a pretty difficult time that I went through back in my senior year of high school, over the summer going into my senior year. Um, I was on vacation, and I had gotten a call from a friend of mine from school, and this friend was beside herself, um, you know, and I'm not asking what's wrong, what's, what's going on. And uh, she said, you, you know, I, I think you should probably sit down for this. You know, and being the man that I was at 17 years old, um, I said, no, like, just, just talk to me. Like, what's going on, you know? And, uh, and uh, she, had, she had said, uh, Tim... Timothy, uh, my best friend at the time, uh, she said, Tim shot himself. Um, It's been a lot of years since then, (laughs) you know. But I can, I don't think I'll ever forget that phone call. Um, but you know the, the crazy part about the story is you, you'd think that that, that was a, a bad story and that it would have a bad ending. <laughs> but it ended pretty good because Tim was sitting in the hospital and a preacher came by his way 
the pastor that he had. Um, and his pastor sat down next to him. And what the doctors had said was that Tim, uh, he can't do anything. I mean, he's essentially brain dead, but he can probably hear. And that's about it. After they did all their scans and all their, you know, technical stuff, they said he might, he might be able to hear, um, but, but that's about it. And so that man sat down next to him and, and you know, he started talking to, to Tim. And he wasn't sure if, if Tim could hear him, but he decided to give him the gospel. And when he had asked him if he wanted to trust Jesus Christ as his Savior, uh, miraculously enough, Tim squeezed his hand. So when I read about a, a reunion, when I look in Scripture and I see Verses about meeting those who are dead in Christ together with them in the air. I can't help but think about reuniting with some people that I once knew. Whether it be Tim or whether it might just be other Christians who walked away from the Lord. I'm sure we all know people or have family members who Perhaps at one time got saved, but just aren't walking right. Well, things are going to be a whole lot different when we're gathering together and meeting them in the air. But you know what, what's crazy is, is when I get up there with them, you know, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to talk to them. <laughs> I'd like to talk to them about what he's seen so far, you know, I mean... He's in eternity, so how long has he been there, <laughs> you know? Like, from our perspective, I don't, I don't know. But, but I, I would like to just kind of talk with him again. And, and You know what's funny is he would, probably, he would probably start telling me about, well, how great it is. <laughs> He'd probably start telling me, you know, about the peace that he finally has. about the joy that he finally has. Because he obviously didn't have it down here on this earth. And, it, you know, as great as it's going to be to see my friends again, as great as it's going to be to, to meet all the different, you know, apostles and, and disciples, I've got a feeling that when I'm standing there next to Tim talking to him, about how great life is in heaven, he's, pr he's probably going to cut me off and say, yeah, but, but wait a second. You haven't, you haven't seen the Lord Jesus Christ yet. You've you got to understand that Jesus Christ is more beautiful than you could possibly imagine. He's going to tell me, look, I, I understand that that you got saved before I did, right? You, you met the Lord before I did, but I got to see him face to face before you did. 
as, as excited as I am to, to reunite with fellow believers, you got to keep in mind, Christian, that we're going to finally be united with the one that saved us. I'm looking forward to that redemption of our body, and I'm looking forward to that reunion with believers. But there's one more thing that I'm also looking forward to. And at first glance, this might almost seem selfish, but after I'm done explaining it to you, I don't, I don't think it'll seem that way. Because I think we have kind of a misconception on this. But I'm looking forward to the rewards. Now hear me out, okay? Because I've heard Christians say... Like, oh, I mean, are we really going to, like, we're in heaven, every, we have everything we want, right? Are we really going to care a whole lot about gold, silver, precious stones? And honestly, that perhaps that's an honest, uh, you know, approach. Um, perhaps that isn't a false spirituality. Um, but I'd, I'd like to hopefully kind of frame it a different way for you, and hopefully it'll stick, Okay. But let, let's read just a couple verses and I'll wrap this up here. This is the last point, all right? So look, look at 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. And you guys know this passage. But 2 Corinthians 5, we're going to look at verse number 10. 2 Corinthians 5, 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Ouch. Okay, turn to the book to the left, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. It says, now if any man build upon this foundation, which is talking about Jesus Christ, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. There are rewards that you're going to get, Christian, and I understand, uh, you know, some people might have the perspective that they're not all that important, but hopefully I can frame this a little differently for you. Look, there's, we know that there's the incorruptible crown, that's the victor's crown in 1 Corinthians 9, there's the crown of life. That's the martyr's crown in Revelation 2. There's the crown of glory. That's the elder's crown in 1 Peter 5. There's the crown of righteousness in 2 Timothy 4. That's a crown for those who love his appearing. And then in 1 Thessalonians 2, there's a crown of rejoicing, and that's the soul winner's crown. Why rewards? I mean, have you ever really thought about that before? I mean, like... Like, it's kind of a good point. If we are in heaven in a perfect body, in a perfect world, do you really care about gold, silver? And Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, well think of it this way. There were, a, a number of years ago, I, had, uh, I was in my, in my mom's room, and my mom was looking for something in her dresser, and, and she had opened a drawer. And, uh, and in that drawer, there were a bunch of different cards Cards from, from, from years ago, birthday cards, and, and 
little drawings and, and pictures that us kids had given her growing up. And being young and dumb, you know, I, I just kind of asked the question, I'm like, what, like, from my perspective at the time, like, those are trash. Like, I can draw better than that now. Let me make you something new, you know, like. But I had asked her, I said, why, why do you have all those? She said, because they mean something to me. How, how does this tie into rewards? <laughs> well, you've got to understand, when you do something for Jesus Christ, when, I mean, you're, all your, look, we're so feeble. <laughs> when you try to do something for Jesus Christ, it's equivalent to, you know, just a little kid trying to spell I-L-U-V... You, the letter U, right? It's like drawing a stick picture, fake, you know, this is daddy, this is mommy, and this is Mimi. Livni can't say, you know, the L's, so she just says her name is Mimi. Like, look, I wouldn't trade that picture in for the world. That, that means something to me. You've got to understand that when we get to glory and, and the Lord Jesus Christ rewards you some crowns, when you look at that, that crown and you see some jewels in there, when you look at that, that shiny diamond or that sapphire, you, you're going to see a specific event or time where, where like, hey, wait a minute, I remember this. Like, I, I tried witnessing to that guy and, and he, he shut me down, Lord. He, he didn't even want to hear it, like... <laughs> Why would you keep something like that? And the Lord says, because it means the world to me. God's going to tell you, look, people have spent thousands of years asking from me, taking from me, wanting me to do things for them. There are rarely people who want to do something for me. So those rewards when you get to heaven ought to mean a lot for you. Not for your own glory, but for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's close, close with this verse in John chapter 14, and we'll be done. John chapter 14. I'm just trying to get our minds focused on what really matters. John chapter 14. Look at verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Here's a little poem just to finish it up for you. A little bow on the top, all right? He is coming as a bridegroom, coming to unfold at last the great secret of his purpose the mystery of ages past. And the bride to her is granted in his beauty now to shine, as in rapture she exclaimeth, I am his, and he is mine. 
Oh, what joy that marriage reunion, mystery of love divine, sweetest song of all the ages, sweet to sing in all his fullness, I am his and he is mine. I hope, Christian, that we're, we're looking, looking towards the right thing and that we're watching and being prayerful. I'm looking forward to the redemption of my body. I'm looking forward to that reunion with Christ and with the fellow believers. And I'm also looking forward to those rewards that mean a whole lot to God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, if you don't mind.